Did we all listen to the gospel this morning? <laughs> I want us to take our topic from there. Jesus took Peter and James and his brother John, that is Mark chapter 9, 2 to 10. Mark 9, 2 to 10. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain, apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He forgot of himself. Hallelujah. That is what happens when we get to a point where we are madly and crazily in love with Jesus. We forget all about, all about ourselves. And that is the point God wants all of us to get to. God wants us to know him personally. That is the cry of God. That is the heart of Jesus for his church. He wants every member of his church, every member of his flock, he wants them to know him. He said, I know my sheep and they know me. They hear my voice, they listen to me and they hear my voice. But to tell you the truth and honestly, if we are honest with ourselves, we have to face the sad reality and do something about it. The sad reality is that many Catholics don't know the Lord. That's sad. It's true. Because what is happening in the church today, that is not the will of God. That is not his mind for the church. That is not his will for his church. Jesus basically came down to save us. But why did he have to come? God could have saved us in so many ways. But why did he come down? He came down that we will see him and know him. He wants us to have that personal relationship with him. Can we say that of many Catholics today in the church? Let us be honest. This is our church. And we have to rise up to the truth. And confront the truth as it is. Only the truth can set us free. Our young people don't like coming to church. Why? Think about it. It is not possible to truly have a personal, a personal encounter, a personal knowledge with Jesus or of Jesus and not love church. You cannot know Jesus and not love mass. You cannot know Jesus and not love the word of God. You cannot know Jesus and not love to pray. You cannot love Jesus and not love the sacraments. It is not possible. It is not possible. So if today, many young people in the church don't love coming to church, it's a sign that they don't know Jesus. And that is not the will of God. Any person in his or her right senses who knows who Jesus is will trade him for nothing. Mm -hmm. 
anyone in his right senses who knows Jesus as he's supposed to know him, that personal encounter will trade Jesus for nothing. But today, because we don't know Jesus, we trade Jesus for the movies. We trade Jesus for the cinemas. We trade Jesus for fanfare. We trade Jesus for parties. We trade Jesus. Think about it. But Jesus wants us to know him. Why did he take Peter, James, and John up the mountain? He wanted them to have that personal encounter with him. They knew him as Jesus. But Jesus was both divine and human. But when he took them up the mountain, their eyes were open to that revelation. We are told they saw Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah. God wants to open our eyes to see the truth in the word of God. God wants to open our eyes to see the treasures in the church. Our eyes are closed. The enemy has closed our eyes. But only the truth will set us free. It's only in the truth we will come to know who we truly are. Let's go to John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman. This was a woman who couldn't go public. She was a woman who lost her self-esteem because she didn't know Jesus. Because she didn't have a personal encounter with Jesus. She didn't know who she truly was. Many of us today don't know who we truly are. We don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The past is gone. We are new creatures. Created in the image and likeness of God. We have to know who we are in Christ. Listen. In John chapter 4, from verse 19. Okay, let's take it from verse 17. Verse 16. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, the dialogue of the Samaritan woman and Jesus. He said, go and call your husband. Jesus told her. And come back. I haven't got a husband, she answered. Jesus replied, you are right when you say you haven't got a husband. You have been married to five men, and the man you live with now is not really your husband. You have told me the truth. I see you are a prophet, sir, the woman answered. My Samaritan ancestors worshipped God on this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we should worship God. It's interesting, this woman went alone to the well to fetch water. She was shy. No one respected her in that town. So she went alone always to fetch water. So she wasn't open to talk to anybody. But when Jesus, when she encountered Jesus, she opened up. And so she, she shared, she poured her heart out to Jesus. Listen, it goes on. My Samaritan ancestors worship God on this mountain, but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we should worship God. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time will come when people will not worship the Father either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not really know whom you worship, but we Jews know whom we worship. Because it is from the Jews that salvation comes. Pay attention. Jesus told the woman, 
you Samaritans do not really know whom you worship. Because it is from, but we Jews know whom we worship. Do we know who we worship in this church, in the church? Some of us, and I dare say many of us, because if you look at the population of the church today, the numbers, the cathedrals, the buildings, and the people inside, I can say many of us don't know him. And that's why they have run out. Do we really know? That question Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus told the woman, you Samaritans do not really know whom you worship, but we Jews know whom we worship. God wants us to know him. And friends, when we know him, we will give him the worship that is due him. God doesn't accept every kind of worship, no. If you read Romans 12, it says, Romans 12 from verse 1 to 3, there is acceptable form of worship. There is an acceptable form of worship. There are many parishes, many churches where we just do things, but I wonder if indeed God is pleased with us. In Psalm 100, for example, we are told to serve the Lord with joy. Worship the Lord with joy. Is that what we see in church? Is that what we see at Mass? Do we worship God with joy? Think about it. Think about it. We come from Mass, we are in a hurry to leave. But we sit down and we are watching TV or soap operas. We don't want them to end. We are so glued to them. I have met young men here. Yesterday, I visited a family. A young man told me or told us he was going to sleep. But he entered, he was watching a certain series on television. The mom told me he watches this until he falls asleep and leaves it. He watches it every day until he falls asleep. And when he wakes up in the night, he will turn it off. That is television or a series, a, a YouTube movies. I wonder if he could give the same time to the scriptures. Think about it. If we know who Jesus is, friends, we will place premium value on him. The call of God to us, as Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, Jesus wants to take you and I, the whole church, wants to take us up that mountain. It takes effort to climb that mountain. Many of us are lazy. We are not willing to go up that mountain. But friends, until we are willing to take that risk to go up that mountain, we cannot have that encounter. God is not cheap. Jesus is not cheap. It will cost us if we want to experience him. But modern man, today, American people, you don't want to sacrifice. You don't want to go through any pain. We want everything fast. Fast cars, fast food, fast internet, fast that, fast everything. But with God, we got to be patient. We have to slow down. We have to slow down. We have to make time and wait and listen to him. God told the three disciples up the mountain, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Who is him? 
In John 1, 1 to 3, we are made to understand Jesus is the word of God. Listen to my son. And Jesus tells us yesterday and today, yesterday and Sunday we'll hear again, I am the bread of life, the Eucharistic Lord. Listen to my son. Are we willing to listen to the word of God? I just gave that example. We come from us and we are eager to go. But God says, listen to my son. Listen to his word. Listen to the word. Because in that word, in my son, lie your freedom, true freedom. True freedom, freedom is not for us to do anything we want. But freedom is for us to serve God. God set us free that we will serve him. We were in bondage. And he delivered us that we will be free to worship and serve him. That is the mind of God. That is the will of God. We must climb that mountain. God wants us to climb that mountain to have that encounter with him. He wants us to have that personal knowledge with him. Let's continue. It goes on to say, But the time is coming and is already here when by the power of God's Spirit, people will worship the Father as he really is. Offering him true worship that he wants. I made a point already. Worshiping God truly. Offering him true worship that he wants. There is a form of worship God desires from his people. There is a form of worship he wants. And he goes on to say, God is spirit. And only by the power of the spirit can people worship him as he really is. God is spirit. And only by the power of the Holy Spirit. For indeed, it is not by might. It is not by our intelligence. It is not by technology. No. It takes the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, can we worship him in spirit and in truth? Listen to my son. He will guide you as to how to worship me. We must listen to the scriptures. Listen to the magisterium. And in fact, pray for the magisterium. We must pray for the magisterium. For it is the duty of the magisterium to teach us. That is the duty to teach us nothing short of the truth, nothing but the truth, nothing but Jesus, because Jesus is the truth. The magisterium, we have to pray for them, that they will be in tune with Jesus, the truth, to proclaim the truth to us. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is divine. The disciples didn't know that until they went up that mountain. They didn't know. On that mountain, Jesus was communicating with Moses and Elijah. The prophets and the law. They all make one in Jesus. They are all fulfilled in Jesus. That is why towards the end, Moses disappeared, Elijah disappeared, and left only who? Jesus. The fulfillment of the law and the prophets are in Jesus Christ. And what that also tells us something, friends. Be, the disciples were pleased by that revelation. They saw Moses, they saw Elijah. But at the end of it all, these two disappeared and left only Jesus. What that also tells us it is whatever attracts us that is not leading us to Jesus, at the end of it all, it will leave us stranded. At the end, only Jesus will be there. The presence of Elijah and Moses 
caught the attention of the disciples. Prior to that, Jesus was with them. Yes, they went up with him. But their attention was not so much glued. We are told they looked on. If you read the Good News Bible, they looked on. And as Jesus was communicating, it got to a point. You know, before Peter declared, it is good for us to be here. Not until Elijah appeared, not until Moses appeared. Peter never said it is good for them to be here. He never said that. But when they appeared, they caught his attention. Then he now declared, it is good for us to be here. Whatever catches our attention that doesn't lead us to God will leave us stranded at the end of it all. Anything that we are attracted to apart from Jesus at the end will elude us. At the end of it all, only Jesus will stand. At the end of it all, only Jesus will remain. Indeed, heaven and earth will pass, but only his word will remain. Heaven and earth will pass. And God wants us to have this knowledge about him. Friends, why did Jesus come? That we may know him. And when St. Paul caught that revelation, he said that I may know him, Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What do we seek to know today, children of God? What are we interested in? Jesus, the voice from heaven said, listen to my son. Today, our young people are listening to all manner of things but Jesus. We are listening to all manner of theories and ideologies and philosophies, but Jesus. But friends, all other things that we listen to, apart from Jesus, will destroy us. Any other thing that we pay attention to that is not leading us to Jesus will at the end leave us stranded and destroy us. God is calling his church back to himself. God is calling his church back to himself. And we must be alert. God is calling the church back to that mountain. He's calling us to go up with him to the mountain. But we want to remain down there. We're busy in ourselves. But friends, as long as we remain in the crowd busy in ourselves, we cannot hear God. We cannot hear God. So he took them up that mountain. This morning at Mass, I made it clear. The Mass, every Mass is a mountain experience God wants us to have. That altar, that sanctuary at Mass, that altar is a mountain that the priest is supposed to lead the congregation up that mountain to encounter the Eucharistic Lord and to encounter the Lord who is his word in the proclamation of the word. Pray for your priests. Pray for us. We need your prayers. The church is under attack. There is no argument about it. But the good news is that Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail. But that, that doesn't mean they will not attempt. It will not prevail means it will attempt, but it will not prevail. But we have to pray. No wonder Jesus prayed for Peter. He said, Satan wants to sift you, but I pray for you that your faith may not fail. The prayer of God is that our faith may not fail. 
May the faith of the magisterium not fail. May the faith of the leadership not fail. It is crucial. That is why in the communion rite, it is serious. In the communion rite, there's a prayer the priest will pray. Lord Jesus Christ, look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. But on the faith of your church. Another time we'll take that up. On the faith, but on the faith of your church. That's a serious statement. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. It is crucial. We have to pray that God will help us to offer him true worship. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah will come, and when he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus answered, I am he. I who I am, I who am walking, I who am talking with you. All along, the woman had not recognized that it was Jesus. All along, she had not recognized him fully. At least earlier on, she said, I can see you are a prophet. She only saw Jesus at that moment as a prophet. But she didn't go further to know that she is a Messiah. That encounter had not yet come. That revelation had not yet come. Now listen. At that moment, when Jesus said, verse 26, I am he, I who am talking with you. John 4, 26. Verse 27. At that moment, Jesus' disciples returned and they were greatly surprised to find him talking with a woman. But none of them said to her, what do you want? Or asked him, why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went back to the town and said to the people there, come and see the man who told me everything I have ever done. Could he be the Messiah? So they left the town and went to Jesus. Hallelujah. I am praying for that day where America will leave the town and run to the church. I am praying for that day where America, you will leave the fan first and run back to the church because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that will take you and I. It took the Samaritan woman, her encounter with Jesus, to draw the whole village back to Jesus. That woman who was shy, who couldn't go out to, I mean, in public places, who hid herself and walked alone secretly to go and fetch water. It took her encounter with Jesus. When she had that encounter, she forgot of everything and had to run to the crowds now to draw them back to Jesus. That is what an encounter with Jesus can do. That is what a personal knowledge with Jesus can do. That same woman, I pray for this radical transformation, this radical encounter for us as a church. That is the mind of God and that is the will of God. That each one of us will come to this radical encounter with him and forget ourselves and go all out. On that mountain, Peter forgot himself and said, we will build three things, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. As for us, we prefer just to be outside the tents. It is enough for us to be here. It is the same expression David made when he caught the revelation about what it means to be in the presence of God. In Psalm 84, David said, I'd rather be a great man in the house of the Lord than to be feasted at the palaces of sinners. I'd rather be a great man. Think about it. A king? A king preferring to be a great man when it comes to God. 
He said, one day in your course is better than a thousand elsewhere, including his palace. One day in the presence of the Lord. May God open our eyes to catch this revelation. No wonder St. Paul will pray for the Ephesians. And that should be our prayer every day, all of us. Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 15 to 20. That should be our prayer every day. That God will open our eyes to behold how much he loves us and enlighten our understanding to come to that knowledge how deep and how wide his love is for us. And David advised us to pray that God will open our eyes to see the wonderful truths in the world. It is not for nothing there is mass every day. It's not an accident. Because every mass the word of God is proclaimed to us. The vision and the mind of God is that for the church is that all of us as we attend church through the proclamation of the word our hearts will be opened, our eyes will open, and we will see the wonderful truths in the word of God. The apostles walked with Jesus, but their eyes were not open until they went up the mountain. The woman was talking with Jesus, her eyes were not open until that moment where Jesus declared himself as the Messiah. In Luke 24, the, the disciples of Emmaus, as they were going to Emmaus, we are told they were discouraged, they were sad. That is the, 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 the sad state of many Catholics today. We are depressed, we are sad, we are not happy, we are not joyful. Now, in Luke 24, these disciples rejected and dejected as they were going away from Jerusalem to Emmaus when Jesus appeared to them. It's interesting, as they talked with Jesus, they didn't realize it. Until the breaking of the bread, when Jesus revealed himself. In fact, the word of God says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures as he spoke with them. And then at the breaking of the bread, their eyes opened and they recognized him. And there and then, Jesus disappeared. And listen, the, dis the discouraged disciples, the downcast disciples who gave up hope and were walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, at that moment, when they encountered Jesus and knew he was the one, what happened? They got up that night and they started going back to Jerusalem. Wherever they were running from, the shame they were running from, the fear they were running from, because they encountered Jesus, they reversed their journey and had to go back there. It is time for us to encounter Jesus and run back to the church. It is time for us to encounter Jesus and run back to the church and proclaim him as Lord. Before then, they told Jesus, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Before the revelation, before their eyes opened, they saw Jesus as a stranger. Isn't Jesus appearing to many of us today as a stranger? Isn't Jesus appearing as a stranger to many Catholics today? Isn't Jesus a stranger to many Catholics today? Is that not the sad state we find ourselves in? Is that not the sad state we find ourselves in? Jesus is more or less, more or less a stranger to many of us. He founded his church, and we are members of the church. And he, the founder today, is now like a stranger to his own church. What a contradiction. What a contradiction. How can Jesus be a stranger today in his own church? Friends, we got to rise up. We have to rise up and go up that mountain. These disciples, the one they said he was a stranger, when their eyes were opened, they ran back and declared that he is alive. He is alive. I pray for that day when America will rise up again, the Catholic Church in America will rise up again and declare Jesus as Lord and declare to the whole world, Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is alive. The interesting thing is, he has never died. He has never died. He is alive. Until the eyes of Peter and James and John were opened, they didn't know he was the one. He was the Lord. Until the eyes of the Samaritan woman were, was opened or were opened, she didn't know there was a Messiah. Until the eyes of these two disciples to Emmaus were opened, they saw Jesus as a stranger. Today, until our eyes are opened, we will continue to have a casual relationship with Jesus. But Jesus doesn't want us to have a casual relationship. In the meantime, the disciples were begging Jesus, teacher, have something to eat. I know I have two minutes more, 30 minutes, right? I'm fine. God bless you. God bless you. And I am praying for that day in the American church where we will be crazy for the word of God. We will not be eager for and be waiting for a 10-minute homily, 5-minute homily. Please. We go to the restaurant and we are seated at the restaurant for hours. But we come to church and 5 minutes, 10 minutes, we want the preacher, the, the priest to stop preaching. We prefer to feed our bodies to feeding our souls. Think about it. We have turned the tables upside down. God bless you for giving more time. Now, listen. Let's continue. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, it goes on to say, but he answered, our food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples started asking among themselves, could somebody have given him something to eat? Now, it goes on. Um, where is that? John 4. Yes. Now, in the verse 39, Many of the Samaritans in that town believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they begged him to stay with them. And Jesus stayed there two days. I'm praying for America. That we'll rise up and beg Jesus. We'll be so madly in love with him. We'll come to mass and we will not be eager to run away. They begged Jesus to stay with them. They begged him to stay with them. Why? Now continue. So when the Samaritans came to him, they begged him to stay with them. And Jesus stayed, stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his message. The word of God, when we proclaim it, it is meant to, to, it is meant to convict us to faith, to bring us faith. It goes on. And they said to the woman, we believe now, not because of what you said, but because we ourselves have heard him. And we know that he really is the savior of the world. Yes, we acknowledge that it was your message that brought us to Jesus. But now, we believe not because you told us, but because we ourselves now have seen and heard. We also now have that personal encounter. We also now have that personal encounter. And so we believe. Dear friends, it will take a personal encounter of every single Catholic to revive the church. It will take that personal encounter. And those of you here, I encourage you. I encourage you. I encourage you. Keep up the faith. Keep up the faith. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Yes. And God is up to something. God is up to something glorious for his church. He will never abandon his church. 
unless God is alive. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I, 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 it's either Jesus was lying or he was joking. But none of them is true. Jesus was serious. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He loves his church. He loves his, his, his body, the church. He loves the church. And he wants us to know him. Think about it. If the church is his bride, am I right? Yeah. If the church is his bride, how can you be a groom and your, your bride will be a stranger to you and you will be happy? Your bride doesn't know you. Will you be a happy groom? Your bride doesn't want to have any close relationship with you. Will you be a happy groom? Every normal groom will want the bride to have an intimate relationship with him. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. Jesus doesn't want us to flirt with him. He wants us to be married to him. Jesus wants us to, mar to, be, to marry him, to be married to him, to have that covenant, to enter into that covenant. He wants to be our shepherd, yes. true shepherd. And we be his true sheep. I pray that God indeed will bring to fulfillment, that is his mind, his vision for his church. He wants a vibrant church. A church that will be alive and aglow for him. A church that will be so full of light that will go everywhere and proclaim Jesus as Lord. Jesus is looking for his church that will go out and speak about him like the Samaritan woman. He gave the church one mission. Go and make disciples. Today, we are certain. Jesus said, go. And we are certain. It is a command given to the church. That is the mission of the church. To go and evangelize. Ite misa est. Ite misa est. And it is interesting. That is why we don't reflect deeply. But in the mind of the church, every Sunday when we are dismissed, in fact, every mass when we are dismissed, the priest is virtually and literally saying, go and evangelize. Go and do the mission. Go and do the mission. Ite misa es. Go and evangelize. So every day the church reminds us, because daily mass every day, except Good Friday when we don't have mass, so to speak, but at least we are still dismissed. But every day we are sent out to fulfill the mission of Christ, to evangelize. But how come? We are not evangelizing. We pretend in the name of I am evangelizing with my life. Mm -hmm. But Jesus meant it that we should go out and talk about him. And talk about him. St. Francis of Assisi says, evangelize with all your life. You say what? Proclaim the gospel at all times. And if necessary, then use words. We are supposed to live our lives so radically, so much that people will question and then we'll use words and talk about it. We are supposed to be so radiating with the love of God. The woman was so radical. She, wasn't, she was hiding. But when she got to the crowd, they knew that no, something had happened to the woman. And so they followed him. They followed her to Jesus. That is the way we are supposed to live our lives. 
that people will question and ask, what is your secret? What happened to you today at Mass? After Mass, that should be the question every day. Where are you coming from? Anyone who didn't go to church after encountering you after Mass should ask you, please, where are you coming from? What's your secret? I see light all over you. I see joy all over you. What is the secret? Then you tell him, you tell the person, I'm just descending from the mountain. I'm just descending from the mountain. The mass as mountain. I just received Jesus, the Eucharistic Lord, from mass. That is my secret. And that person will have no choice. Like the people of the Samaritan woman's village will say, I want to go with you next time. I want to go with you next time. May God help us to be true disciples, true followers. God bless you. Thank you for this opportunity. God bless you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Bless the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed the fruit of your own Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death.